This show is a screwball comedy with blue humor, adult situations, and some cussing. For subject matter and show notes, visit patterspod.com. The following events are fake. The story, however, is real. My dear boy, you must be joking me. You don't know all the different parts of a fork? I do not, but, um, hey, mad respect to those who do, you know? Sigh. I knew doing this was a mistake. Sacramento, California. Home of the gold rush, saltwater taffy, and tonight, a dinner guest in my apartment wearing a baggy denim newsboy cap with a pin that reads, I'm a critic, so sue me. Oh yeah, and this critic... He's upset. I don't know all the different parts of a fork. These pointy things are the tines, obviously. Then there's the points, slots, root, back, and neck. Shall I use finger puppets? Meet Murray Jameson, Luke Pattersby's oldest known acquaintance and worst enemy. They were college roommates turned best friends turned aspiring authors. Pattersby became a household name, and Jameson became an acid-tongued critic with an acerbic wit, a prominent and, dang it, responsible for such lines as, Burn it. Burn it for warmth. That's the only way to get use out of Pattersby's latest abomination. And Insomniacs rejoice. Luke Pattersby's most recent outing has so many tired tropes, you'll be fast asleep after sentence one. Plus, to you readers out there accusing me of being no more than a jealous scribe on a lifelong vendetta against a perfectly talented author, I've only one question. What did you name the piece of brain that the lobotomy doctors let you keep in a jar? Yeah, so not a fan. But apart from being the only credible person to respond to my ad, Murray also claims he was the last individual to see Luke Pattersby before his untimely disappearance. Which is frustrating, because even though he's made the trip all the way up here to the Big Tomato, one of many nicknames for Sacramento, Murray refuses to spill the beans. No matter how hard I try and steer things to that last fateful night with Pattersby, my so-called witness keeps icing me out. I don't know if I've offended him or what, but he's like Fort Knox in the Ascot. Oh well, I guess that's the job. This is Finding Pattersby, a thriller in 10 parts. Do 
dear boy, if Luki doesn't want to be found, he will not be found. No, yeah, for sure. I get that. But you got to have your own hunches. This is a waste of your time and mine. And where is the lobster you promised me? Am I to starve to bones in this poor excuse for an Ikea display room? Uh, newsflash, I don't enjoy being dunked on in my own home. But in all fairness, I am quite rusty at being a functioning member of society. Things like speaking to people, making eye contact with people, and simply being a person make me feel like Frankenstein's monster with a fried egg for brains instead of, well, I guess, whatever dead man's brains it had. Why, just the other day I ghosted a boisterous Italian deli joint before my sandwich order was even ready, out of sheer nerves. So, maybe I'm the problem. Maybe Murray can sense that. I mean, when it comes to mind hunting, it's important to build trust, and I just don't think I'm there yet with him. I excuse myself to the bathroom for an emergency pep talk. The same kind I give myself before getting the mail at the communal mail wall at my apartment. I take a breath. Splash water on my face, like they do in the movies, and utter my mantra. What would Queen Latifah as TV's The Equalizer do? Still, I can't shake the thought that disturbs me most. What if this critic's power of observation is so incisive, he reveals truths about me not even I know? What's to stop Murray from unleashing that acerbic wit and acid tongue on me, thus reducing my confidence to that of a quivering jellyfish in a Ziploc baggie? Let's just say whatever game Murray's playing, I'm losing, and my desperation is palpable. Murray, I paid for your plane ticket and your hotel and your PT cruiser rental. I even worked in that saltwater taffy per diem that you requested. So this makes me your private little puppet then? No. Tug my strings and watch me bounce. That's not a fair characterization. Funny. I was under the impression you actually cared about my life and who I am as a person in the arts industry. That's what you said in the email, is it not? Well, sure, but I said other things, too. Well, if you're going to take that tone with me, then I'd just as easily spend my night all alone in my hotel eating chocolates in my bathtub. Chocolate floats, you know. I just want to know about your last night with Pattersby. Of course you do. That's all anyone wants to know about old Murray. This time, beneath his persnickety exterior, I notice a flicker of sadness creep into Murray's voice. And it hits me. What if Pattersby's fame has haunted Murray his whole life? What if the irascible critic has depended on the success of his most hated rival to fuel his own relevance? Maybe that's why he's being so pissy. Your generation has the etiquette of an old boot. You march me into your hell of popcorn ceilings and vertical blinds for what? To help you chase a ghost? And an overrated one at that. Stupid. I'm sorry, but it is all so stupid. I think Murray's speaking from a place of pain, and I want to be understanding, because I know how it feels to have your fate tied to a legend. But also, that PT Cruiser wasn't cheap. And don't get me started on the saltwater taffy per diem. I know I should take the high road. But I didn't come this far just to be sassed and harassed by another Pattersby wannabe. And wouldn't you know it, it's that realization which ends up being the key to finally making this overbearing egghead show a little yoke. You know what, Murray? All this being mean to me, all this yelling and screaming and shouting at me, 
and gave me a thought. Bravo. What do you want? A sticker. Haha, <laughs> no. The thought it gave me, Murray, was how all you stuffed shirts, they're all the same. You sit up there in your ivory tower with your fancy denim newsboy caps, clapping yourself on the back because you know all kinds of stuff about stuff. But deep down, the truth is, nobody needs you. You're like an old fax machine in the electronic section of a thrift store that just went out of business. Sitting there, all alone, in the dark, gathering dust. Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you, with that attitude of yours, you know who you really remind me of? Luke Pattersby. <gasps> oh! He slaps me. And if I'm being honest, it's the most human connection I've felt in months. How dare you? I'm nothing like Luke Pattersby. You take that back. Before I can react, Murray stands, searching through his coat for what I realized too late might be a gun to shoot me with. He's that miffed, and seems like just the kind of hothead capable of a passionate kill. So I'm relieved when Murray does not pull out a pistol, but instead a flip phone. Well then I'm worried again because that means my only witness is ready to call an Uber and call it a night. I briefly consider getting down on my hands and knees and begging forgiveness like some cartoon sad sack. But it's here Murray stops himself, lowers his Nokia, and looks me in the eye with his coldest stare yet. Young man, you are entering a world you know nothing about. The mass market thriller industry that you think you know is just the tip of the iceberg. You and your rinky-dink radio hour are swan diving headfirst into a sea of sharks, piranhae, and crocodiles. If you had any sense in that little pea brain of yours, you'd quit now while you can. But you won't. I can see it in your dumb eyes. Like a mouse after the cheese thinking, Oh, this, this rich yellow morsel will finally be the answer to all of my little mouse problems. That this one answer will finally tell you who you are. You think my talking about a dinner from five years ago will fix your pitiful excuse of a life, dude? His fake use of the word dude was not lost on me. It stung. I just thought you might be able to help me out, is all. And I thought you might provide me with some good conversation before we fuck. <sighs> Look, if you plan to insinuate yourself into that shrouded, murky, inner circle of literati surrounding Pattersby's disappearance, then you better know how to keep up a decent conversation. Not this junk heap of ums and whats spilling out of that flycatcher you call a mouth. Whether out of frustration, concern, or plain boredom, my outburst and subsequent slapping had knocked something loose in Murray. A warning. A harbinger. But he still seemed torn about pushing my piece forward and went right back to critiquing the knight's flaws. Only now his insults felt instructional. Like I was an unwashed Cockney street urchin and he my Henry Higgins. I am your guest, aren't I? Make me feel welcome. Well, what would make you feel welcome? Call me crazy, but you could ask me about my day. Or 
Does your generation just use an emoji for that sort of thing? On a personal note, I don't believe in emojis. Or memojis. Tiny pictures are killing the book industry. Not to mention our imagination and eyesight. Then again, it is getting late and several gallons of warm bathroom water and fine brown sweets are growing the ever more appealing. Uh, okay. How's life been? How's, how's your week going? Was that so hard? My week was fine. Tuesday, I had an early morning 4.30 a.m. breakfast with one of my closest, dearest friends, Janine. She's a fabulous psychic with a rare exotic bird for every month of the year, and let me tell you, she smells every bit of it. Oh, her musk. She adores the restaurant Coco's. We shared a Swiss pie, and do you know, Janine always makes the waitress put her cold pies in the fridge to chill them down to just the right temperature. If it's one degree higher, she sends that pie right back. Jameson had waited his entire life for this question, and if it meant getting what I needed from him, I was ready to take the scenic route. After that, it was off to the famous Tornoluici House, an architectural marvel. I go there and I like to sit and read my magazines. Oh. You do know the Tornoluici House? I didn't, but I now realize a new game was being played. One I'd seen my whole life as someone from humble beginnings swimming in the shark tanks amongst the well-to-do. My ignorance about fancy things somehow upped their value. Reminded the in-crowd who was part of the club and who was just another schlub. Of course you don't know the Tornoluici house. Flying buttresses and Romanian alcoves. It's where I read my magazines. I have seven I simply can't live without. Culture Monthly. Typewriter Aficionado, Homes and Houses, Lifestyle Chic, The Dog Breeder's Almanac, Soap Making and Such, and my personal favorite, Game Show Digest. Okay. Now, normally I can read in peace for three to four hours, but that particular day there was a field trip of nasty school children being especially boisterous, and try as I might, I could not shut them out of my head. They were so loud. And a few made the mistake to wander near me. And that's when I rolled up my magazines and scolded them. Whap, whap, whap. You hit children. I had no choice. Oh, and then came the tears. And do you know I was asked to leave? Me, the nerve. Wow, how rude. Hmm, sarcasm. I like it. Perhaps we'll make a bon vivant out of you yet. Oh, bon, you're vivant. Oh, tut tut, you silly pip. Now, where was I? Ah, yes. Then, you see, I had tickets to a Fathom Events presentation of the Polish ballet. I'd officially made Murray comfortable enough to talk and share a decent chin wag. After a while, he'd forgot all about the lobster, which was good for me, seeing as how I never ordered it. Seafood platter or no, it became clear this fading critic enjoyed having his own captive audience for one night only, a witness to his time on Earth. All any of us want, I suppose. Who knows? But the more I plied him with convenient store wine, the more he spoke about the time he shared an elevator with Stanley Kubrick. He smelled like boiled eggs and chess. About the time he got lost in the White House for six whole hours. Of course, they won't tell you there's catacombs there, but let's just say I saw George Washington's real skull, the one with the horns on it. Until finally the subject turned to Luke Pattersby, and I was all ears. Lukey and I hadn't been in the same room in years before that dinner. Which was why I found it odd that he'd asked me out that night at all. I could tell something was wrong, so 
I told him I'd come under one condition. That you guys finally reconcile. Bury the hatchet. Let bygones be bygones. <laughs> no, that he paid. And promised to tell all interview later that month, which obviously never came. I'd proposed to do it over dessert, but he couldn't. Turns out he was headed to a masquerade orgy that very night. Part of that hush-hush club he ran with. Those two words zapped my brain wide awake. Masquerade orgy. During my time at Storytellers Incorporated, I'd witnessed Luke Pattersby either reference or work in as a major plot point the event of a masquerade orgy no less than 13 times. A baker's dozen. To hear his real-life involvement in a clandestine sex club was just the lead I'd been searching for, even if it pained me to imagine my naked ex-boss in a bedazzled jester's mask. I had to dig deeper. Are you serious? Murray, this is a humongous scoop. You're telling me that Luke Pattersby was part of a secret erotic society? Oh please, we all were. It was the 90s. If you've never seen best-selling author of the Jessica Burns Lighthouse Mysteries, Lainey Grafton in a velvet sex cape, dripping hot wax on Morton Baldacci, dressed as a latex human Dalmatian, then you haven't lived. Of course, those things could be so tiresome. The incense, the gongs, the constant humping. Strange. I just remembered something about that night I'd never told anyone before. It was the look on his face. It seemed like Luke knew something was about to go down. Something that would put him in danger, and he wanted my help but didn't know how to ask. Or it was indigestion. Hard to say with Lukey. I do miss that about him. His inscrutability. His mystery. Don't get that much these days. Everything's all laid out for everyone to see. As Murray fell into a silent gaze, a trance almost, reliving that fateful night, one thing became clear. Perhaps he wished he'd done more for his ex-friend when he had the chance. Perhaps being here tonight was a way to fix things. Or maybe I would invited a functioning alcoholic with his best days behind him into my home and was lucky to not get shot. One thing was clear. Murray had brought me out of my shell and I was ready to mind hunt, for real. But if I was gonna get anywhere, I'd have to get curious not just about the facts, but about the human behind them. Like a modern day Herodotus, that famed fifth century scribe and documentarian to the proud people of Greece. I was prepared, no matter who I met in the depths of the underworld of the thriller publishing industry, a rogues gallery of cutthroat literati cultish readerships, corporate monsters, dark academia, and the terrible unknown. Or maybe I was more like Dante from Dante's Inferno, headed straight to hell. Or a combination of both. Harada Dante, Don Taradit. Either way, as I let the inebriated critic lay down on my couch, and he quickly fell into a slumber, I couldn't help but notice he looked at peace. Like he'd finally done right in this life. I wasn't sure, but I believe he also passed gas for an alarming amount of time. Though if you ask me, he earned it. Especially after spilling this one last final gem in his dreamland mutterings. When he left, Luke wasn't alone in that car. She was with him. That damn Fiona Caruso. That's how I knew the party was officially over. Like me, you might be wondering a few things. Who is Fiona Caruso? 
and why hadn't this detail ever come out before? And should I ask all future witnesses if they're packing heat? Next time on Finding Pattersby. Hello, this is Lydia Grauman, president of the Luke Pattersby official fan club. I have information about Fiona Caruso. Finding Pattersby is written and directed by Ryan Sandoval, with music and sound design by Eric Jorgensen. This episode featured performances by Ifka Berkelier and Darren Herzig. New chapters of Finding Pattersby will drop the last Thursday of every month, with bonus issues along the way. Check out patterspod.com and follow us on Twitter at patterspod for updates, announcements, and all kinds of other neat stuff. Until next time, see you in the thriller pages. Thriller pages.